0: When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. Robo Global provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The H-Tech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com slash HTEC.
1: podcast one presents let lisa help former insult comic lisa lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach and she wants to help you whether you like it or not join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning she'll share her life experiences the tools she's learned along the way and a healthy dose of humor so if you have a problem let lisa help and now here's your host lisa lampanelli
2: Hey, it's Lisa Lampanelli, and welcome to Let Lisa Help, the podcast you can't live without. I mean, you can, but you probably won't want to. After you hear what's coming up, I'll be chatting with comedian Michael Yo of The Special Oblation. Michael is half African-American, half Asian, and he is not scared to talk about it. Plus, I talk about my issues, and you know what? I'm willing to get vulnerable. Plus, I'm going to do a feature called Coach the Coach in which my real life coaching clients call in and tell me how bad or how good of a job I'm doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, if it's not like 100% approval, their rates are going to go up. Mm -hmm. So get ready, Jody from Long Island. Any negativity, 25 extra an hour, biatch. And I'll be answering some letters from desperate fans of mine who want help you know what? I'm certified, or at least certifiable, so I can help you. Let Lisa Help, coming up. Enjoy it, live it, love it, biatch. This is Let Lisa
1: Help with Lisa Lampanelli.
2: Hey everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli here. Welcome to the latest venture by Lisa Lampanelli, (laughs) formerly the queen of me, now the queen of meaning. I am doing a podcast called Let Lisa Help. And this is going to be a self-help slash I help you podcast with a difference because not only will I be having special guests in the studio talking about their big issues, we're also going to actually help others and then they get to help me. And by that, I mean... They get to criticize my crappy coaching stuff. <laughs> now, Michael Yo is in the studio. I'm so excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. I absolutely love you. Oh my God. We met on Wendy. This was so cool. Michael Yo was guest hosting the Wendy Williams show. He's taken a huge step down to guest host <laughs> my show. No. <laughs> the thing is, what's great about Wendy, she recognized talent. She had you four co-hosts. It was you, Nikki Boyer, Carson Kressley, and somebody uh, else who Smith, was really, I think. yeah Debbie and Smith. it was like Wow, these people are really great, and you guys were there for how long?
3: We were there for six or seven episodes, like two, three weeks. Oh uh, my god! But it was, long, but two, it was great. Weeks. But it was great.
2: That's what's so cool. It's like you. It was meant to be that I met you because then I was on your show, and I was like, oh, this is a really good guy. So when when we decided a podcast one, to do a podcast with me, sort of with this new career angle I've got going, I said, you know what, Michael Yo, he'll get it. He'll I understand
3: do get it. it. I do get it. Yeah. I do get it. And I and I love. Love that? Well, I don't know if I love, but you say you give crappy advice.
2: Oh no! Actually, I mean, I come give, on, I you give, give great advice. advice. Okay. The thing is, if I took it, it'd be really nice too. <laughs> because here's the thing: I I actually need to walk the walk a lot more. Like I'm constantly with my coaching clients saying, you know what? Just let it go. Have empathy for others. And then I'm making a list today of all my issues. I'm like, oh my god, letting it go, having empathy for others. That made the list. Yeah. You know. So I think what's great about life coaching, My the person I learned from said, you will always attract clients who are a former version of yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> oh my of course, everything they say are things I've dealt with and I'm annoyed by still, and I still have to keep myself in check. So that's why this podcast is a little different because I will be talking to some of my major clients on the phone and they'll kind of tell me How I'm doing.
3: Oh, okay. So you're gonna get judged by your own clients. Yeah,
2: because it's true. You know, I told my shrink that, and she goes, first of all, that's very brave. (laughs) And it's oh, and then she said, Oh, it's an opportunity for growth, which I'm like, oh my God, shoot me now. (laughs) But I figure even at fifty-seven I could do a little growing.
3: You know what? I've always wanted to go to a therapist. I just
2: never have. Oh, okay, don't worry. Well you well you have forty five minutes with me. Well, okay, good, good,
3: good. Because (laughs) I I talked to one therapist that was on my show and they said some people aren't made to go to a therapy. No. Not, you know, everybody, not should everybody should go.
2: No. The thing is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. If you see that your life is not sort of impacted greatly negatively by something, why are you going to fix it? Yeah. Suppose you like to strangle your wife in bed. Oh, wow. I'm okay. probably saying you do. <laughs> uh, sh- sh- if she likes it, God bless. Oh, yeah. Just but don't kill her. If you're just like strangling random people, yes. And if she does die, this would be bad. <laughs> uh, very bad. So I think what people do is they kind of got to figure it out for themselves themselves and also I love when I get email. People, do stop sending me this email, please. I love you all. And I love that you're trying to give me life coaching business, but stop with the email saying, my brother really needs life coaching. My husband needs life coaching. It's like, Mm-mm, I think it's you that need it because yeah. why are you taking their inventory? They're deflecting. Yeah. They're not and
3: looking at their own issues.
2: This was the greatest. Michael, I get a call because I'm doing a radio show in uh, Connecticut. And a guy calls and he goes, you know, I really need you to you help my wife. I mean, she can't like stop uh, being sad. And all this, I said, "Oh, let me take pity on this guy." I call him. I go, first of all, what's your story?" And he says, oh, "I'm great. I mean, yeah, I smoke pot every day and I drink a lot, but..." And I'm like, "Okay." First of all, I don't work with addicts, so no. And second of all, you need to work on that stuff, and then maybe we could work together on everything. And so, did he bail, or of did he course stay? he did? But you know what I thought was very cool of him? He did send me an email. And he said, I actually thought about what you said, and I'm going to try for 30 days to get off pot. Never heard from him again, but at least it was in his mind. Exactly. So, I feel like people hear it, and they might recall it later and go, oh, you know what? Maybe that's a good idea. Everybody's on their own time schedule. Right? Well, what I love about you, this was the greatest. Michael Yo comes in, and he goes, look, you know, I know you do this segment called What's the Big Deal about what my big issue is, and I just don't have many issues. And I go, Good. I don't, I, I love, no, I love that because you're not wah-wahing when you know you're lucky and grateful.
3: Well, I, I'm very grateful. Like, I have a great life. My I have a beautiful wife. Yeah. I have a uh, son that's two years old. Yay. And it, it's the best life. My parents are still together. Her parents are still together. Like, right. we're all a close-knit family. Like, it, as far I have nothing to complain about, like, I, I have nothing that, that I have worries, but I don't have anything to complain about. And I right. think there's a difference between, and maybe it was just my generation growing up, you know when you have a problem and you know when... And things are okay, and you can make it work.
2: Well, it's you a know? circumstantial problem yeah. versus a huge, like, life-threatening, uh, earth-shattering thing. It's not, oh, my God, I have fear of intimacy. It's, oh, my God, you know, I hope I make enough money this year.
3: Yes. You know what I mean? I'm more of that, like, you know, it, Hollywood is a very cruel and evil place, <laughs> but then at the same time, is it's a wonderful place that it, it's a trap. Like, you could be discovered at any age, at any size, any any ethnicity. And I think that's what keeps people here. It's a trap where when I lived in Miami, if you're a model and you didn't explode by 21, you you were done. Right. You, pretty much, you know, you're not going to move on in modeling. Here you could be 50, 60, 70 years old and they go, you know what? We're looking for a person just like you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that traps you here too where it's hard to ever leave. Well, you know, as a former model
2: myself. <laughs> yeah, of course. I <laughs> will say to you, I understand the struggle. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> now what we did what what is interesting of uh, one of the many interesting things about you is you are Multiracial. Black and Asian. You got yourself some black. You got yourself some Asian. Now, I think what's great about this is you have instead of becoming the guy who complains about being brought up whichever way you have, and oh my god, it was so difficult. You made the best of it. Do you think this is a, a non-victim mentality?
3: Yes, I I, <clears throat> I believe that everybody has hardships. <clears throat> but once you start blaming people for your hardships, <clears throat> then it's it's a very then you start blaming people for other things, and then right. you're always blaming other people. Where I it, it's such a positive that I went through all the negativity growing up because it was tough. You know, yeah, tell I was, me
2: tell me about growing up because you were had indicated that Okay. You had to sort of pick which ethnicity to yeah. run with in your neighborhood. And you grew up in?
3: I grew up in Houston, Texas. <laughs> uh, it was a v- mainly uh, white high school I went to, junior high. It was all, it was pretty much a white school and system I went into. And then the very few black kids that were there, you know, they wanted you to be black and the very few Asians that were there, you know, you had, they didn't want you to be Asian necessarily, <laughs> but you felt it because I would go home and my dad, you know, he went through segregation, he marched, he, did, you know, he was all about equality. So, you know, his pride, if you're 1% black in America, you're black, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what he told me. And my mom would be like, no, you're Asian too. So it was that struggle of always trying to find out what I was and never seeing a person like me in school because right. there was no I mean I was in the 70s there were no interracial couples at my school besides me right like people didn't know what I you was you were
2: your own interracial I couple. was I was, <laughs> I was. <laughs> you
3: were both like I people would literally go co- walk up to me in school and go what are you yeah and yeah. this is black white and Asian people like what are you we don't understand what you are and as a second grader a third grader like I didn't know how to react to that right you know so I would go home and go what am I and I go you're black and Asian and does they-
2: does any of that still stick with you at all? Where people still say those things or you still have to like explain yourself?
3: Oh, no, no, no. I'm popular now. <laughs> you know, let me tell you, being half black is in. Oh, I don't know yes, if you know, and yes. being mixed race, it's yeah. totally in. I remember the things that I, were, I was criticized for growing up big lips, you know, <laughs> and oh, yeah, at the time I had a big butt. Now those are the two things that are in style. Everybody wants right. big lips and a big butt. Right, right. And it's so interesting how, how much much I was criticized at a kid and it would hurt me and today it's like I the reason why I get a lot of jobs mm-hmm. is because I don't look like everybody else right. so the biggest negative when I was growing up is my biggest positive like I'll, I'll I do a lot of network TV and I know in the back of their minds they go this guy is likable. This guy is non-threatening. Yes. They yes. would never say that out loud, but I know what I look like. Right. I'm the guy they put on the college brochure and they go, Oh, wow. This school's so diverse. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? This school is for everyone. Right. You know, because right. I, I kind of in the future, they say, I'll look like everyone. Everybody will be mixed. Right. So I'm that guy. And I realized that I get a lot of jobs where other people could be like, Well, it hurts me in this and it hurts me in that. For me, I know it helps me a lot. And jobs. Now, I know it hurts me as well because I've been to a big casting and almost got mm-hmm. this huge job. But the but this huge, huge producer looked at me and goes, you're not black enough.
2: Wow. I mean, they literally said that. Yeah.
3: They literally told me. And I know him. So he could. So he
2: could. Yeah. I was going to say, sometimes when people just tell the truth, it's better. And I got it. Because
3: yeah. the guy's super successful. One right. of the biggest movie producers in the world. Right. Looked at me and goes, you're not black enough for this role. And I was like, right.
2: all right. Okay, I'm
3: not, I get it. You know what? I get it. I've seen your movies. I'm not black enough for the role, but I, I'm just honored to be in consideration. Well, you know,
2: I, I and have, I didn't
3: take it as a negative and get there mad you go. about
2: it because that's what we do. I don't believe in positive thinking, meaning, mm-hmm. oh my god, everything's going to work oh, out. No, no. It, but it's turning it from the negative into the positive. Like that whole that life doesn't happen to you; it happens for you. Yeah, you didn't get that for a reason to 100%. learn a lesson to. Uh, Learn to be open or whatever you needed to learn or whatever you needed to have the space for that that left you space for. It
3: even came to the point where they were like, do you want to come back in? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, because I don't want to be something, even though it's an acting, I don't want to be so far out of the box of what I am. Because, you know, if they think I'm not black, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. And it's not for me anyway, you know? It yes, was, so I am I was, with you. I'm like, you know, it's not me. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just, no, nah, I don't need to go in. Because first of all, the odds are stacked against me. I'm already in all the producer's eyes, not black enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't like going into a situation where I don't have a fair chance. Now, I know life's not fair, right. but I believe... We're all in this industry. And we build up to a certain level where the more success you have and whatever that gig is, you're like, okay, I should at least get a fair shot at mm. him. You know, I've worked too long and hard to get to a point where, like, if Steven Spielberg called and it was an uphill battle, and was, I would go for that.
2: Right. You, you know to, what I mean? You have to pick your battles. You got to pick your
3: battles. But this was not a battle where you need to be blacker than right. I wanted to fight. Right. Because th- that's everything that's against what i believe like i believe i'm mixed i'm black and asian right. i do agree some people see me as black when i get pulled over I'm, I'm an ethnic. I get that. Nobody goes, nobody's ever come up to me and goes, you're Asian. You know, (laughs) nobody's ever said that. Right. Right. You know, they'll say Mexican Latino before they say Asian. Right. But I understand if I get pulled over, I'm black. I've been, I've been, um, you know, pulled over and and because the way I looked Uh, younger, because I'll, you know, wear my hat to the bag, super baggy clothes. (laughs) Right. And I get it. It's a stereotype. And I was hanging out with, you know, I would roll with all black dudes because, you know, we all play sports. Sure. So we would all be together, and yeah, we got pulled over.
2: Well, but you know what's interesting about this movie or this uh, TV project—the whole idea of forcing your way in to have something to prove—it never works. It never works because all we have to prove ourselves to is ourself. Uh huh. So what I love is you didn't say, "Yeah, I'm just going to see." Because it sounds corny, but that saying, "Rejection is God's protection," is yep. the truth. Because whatever you don't get, thank God you didn't get it. Can you think of the heartache? That might have resulted from that where you would have been in a situation that maybe you had to prove yourself constantly every day and it's exhausting and you have no time for the kid and the wife and yeah. you just feel like it wasn't worth it. So I think it happened for a reason that you did not get this. Oh, 100%. I,
3: I, I, I agree. And I, and I also think like when you take any project or you do anything, you always have to think, you know, like people are always judging other people in the industry, you know, and whether you take a job or whether you're offered a job, you're like, what's the Upside of it mm-hmm. you always have to think what's the upside, and me, even if I would have came out blacker and got the job, it wasn't a huge upside mm. in the gig, right you know right. what I mean so it wasn't worth me fighting for, and I saw in and, yeah. and my thing is I, I look at it from both sides. I never go into a project just looking at it from my side right. and when I'm in an argument, you know I always look at it from both sides, okay, how do they feel? how do I feel and i've been able to do that because I think a lot of times when I go on stage or talk to like white people, mm-hmm. they understand what I'm saying and the struggles I went through mm-hmm. because I'm talking to them and not yelling my point to them. That's true. And I, think, and I think that's the biggest thing in today's society is I did a show in Kansas City. Five people with Trump hats came out, sat mm-hmm. front row. Right. Wanting me to talk about them. Right. After the show, I didn't bring it up. I, mm-hmm. I never bring up politics in my shows. That's just me. That's my personality. Right. And after the show, they go, we understood your struggle. You opened our eyes more than all the politics around because you didn't yell at us. Right. You just told us your story. And I didn't go, because of white people, this is what happened to me. Right. I went, here's what happened to me.
2: Right. Right.
3: And this is my story. And I want you to listen to my story. I'm gonna make you laugh. But there is a deeper meaning in my story, too. And if you can walk away just understanding me Mm -hmm. and what I went through and acknowledge that, oh, he did have those problems. That's a win. Because if you're white, and let's say a Trump guy or a racist guy or whatever, but you understand what I went through, that's the first step. Right. And you opening your eyes to other things. So a lot of people like this Kansas City show, I went on the news and said, "I, you know, I don't talk politics. So these guys purposely came out with Trump hats, yeah, sat yeah. front row to see if I did talk politics.
2: And, and isn't it beautiful that you could just stay you? Yeah. You didn't have to get sidetracked by anything. And no. it sounds like that's the way you make decisions about what you're doing mm-hmm. with your career, your life. You just go, what's true to me? How were you brought up so that you can just sort of like be very even handed and empathetic?
3: I think we all get. To a point when we first move here, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when you lose your soul. Right. You know, I remember when I first got here, I was trying to be. Who the industry wanted me to be. You know, like when I first got hired from E, and I love E, but Ryan Seacrest was the biggest thing. Right. So they wanted all their hosts to be a version of Ryan Seacrest. And I remember I kind of changed my voice. I was like, hi guys. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm Michael Yo for me. You know, it's like, right. it, I'm like, dude, this is not me. Right. And then, but Ryan Seacrest was the hottest thing. So everybody wanted their version of Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> and it's almost like they wanted me as a version, as a mixed version. Of Right. And I I didn't have I I didn't speak like him. I I was more street than him. And then and then over time, things started to change where it's like, oh, everybody's Ryan Seacrest. We want something different. And then that's like five, six years in L.A. That's when it started to turn for me. But let me tell you, the biggest change in my life is when I started stand up comedy eight years ago is. Once I got in, about two or three years, I really found my voice, mm-hmm. and it, it changed a whole dynamic. Where when I go to castings and things like that, even to today, even if I get all the no's in the world in that casting, mm-hmm. I can go on stage and get four hundred yeses automatically. Oh, I love it for fifteen minutes. So that, in an egotistical way, you fall in love with the laughter, but also it also confirms that. Oh, people like me for, mm. for me, because my comedy is very true. I'm not a character. Like I am me on stage. So when I tell my personal stories about marriage and my kid and people laugh and love it and get a big applause at the end, oh, they like me. So I just got to keep, that's what turned the corner for me where now I just have to find projects that fit me because I know people like me being real, not being this character of Michael Yo like I was the first four years. But if you can make it past till you can find your voice in the industry. Yeah. That's the whole that's the challenge. Well is no staying true to yourself. How old are you? Oh, I'm
1: forty-four.
2: So see, um what's interesting is I love that you said that you're you on stage because when I retired from stand-up, it you know, I always a part of the Queen of Mean was always the Queen of Mean was a little part of me. Yeah. You know, but it was not the whole Lisa. Yeah. And I was like, I don't miss that part. I don't want to be insulting people. You know, yes, your friends, your family, you joke around. But I don't want that to be what people think of me. So now that my ego has gone down, I'm like, oh, I can just kind of be liked by friends and family. So well, it's I, the same thing. It's like almost going, boy, I bet if I had been – it that might be a little regret I have that you brought uh-huh. this up. I love this that so you brought it up because it stirs up an issue for me, which is good. If I had maybe found the Lisa voice – I might not have gotten out of stand-up comedy, but guess what? I still do it with the storytelling shows, yeah. with the podcasts, with the workshops I'm giving, with the coaching. But isn't it interesting that you – I love that you were able to f- do that and still do it in an art form that you love.
3: Well, it's also – goes to the point that once you reach success in whatever you do,
2: mm-hmm. you found Queen Amin
3: and it mm-hmm. took off yeah. and people love that character, mm-hmm. that piece of you. Right. So – being a smart business woman, you're going, I'm going to run with this. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? People are loving this person where I never had that success of a piece of me mm. taken off because I think, I mean, of course you're going to chase. If that takes off, you're going to chase that. And you know, my thing is I'm getting success now. And I'm lucky that it's just me. Yeah. And that's what I'm so happy about. And I'm a ride or die being me. And now in my head, it's anything I take. Now, when I go mm. into something, they're like, Oh, Michael, we love your family. We love you. We love your comedy. Yeah. You know, it, we want you to host this game show. Right. Because we right. know your values. Exactly. You know, so yes. that's where I'm getting to a point and it's still growing. You know what I mean? So yeah. more people are finding out about, about me the way I really am in and- Literally, I've only been labeled a comedian the last year. It's so weird. Like once you, a special comes out.
2: Oh, then you're officially a commit, comic. And I get yeah, that because
3: yeah. you, can, everybody can go up there and do it. Right. But I, it's so interesting. I was talking to Kevin Hart and not to name drop, but it's no. a very important story is that he always asks, how's your special going? How's your special going? Like before I even shot it. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, I keep changing. I keep doing this. He says, you got to get it out. And I go, mm. he goes, cause it's all, the next one's always going to be better and the next one's going to be better, but you, always have to give it out because he goes, you're touring right now and people coming out to see you and you're just a host. He goes, uh-huh. just think once they know you're a comedian, now you're going to get real comedy fans coming out to see you and then your story can grow. Right. And he goes, so you have to put it out because I was like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't. And, and w- like now, just since it came out, every show I come on from TV to podcast... Comedian Michael Yo, yes. where before it was like, he's a host of this, host of that, a host of this, host of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he does comedy.
2: Well, I know what's funny about that. Now, when I see in print comedian Lisa Lampanelli, I said, not anymore. <laughs> that's wrong. No. I, I, I decided to sell my house in Connecticut uh-huh. because it, it's way too big. I used to do a lot of things for ego. So the house is 4,000 square feet. And by LA standards, that's probably not big, but for one person. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And on the beach, it's gorgeous. I'm like a seven pound dog and me. In that house. It's stupid. So I go, I'm selling the house. It says right in the thing. Comedian Lisa Lampanelli sells house. And I'm like, yeah, it's good to have my name in there, mm-hmm. but can't you get something in here? I'm, I'm a life coach now. Life- <laughs> so it's funny what sometimes the titles we earned, we want to shirk off later. That's like, right. you know, you used to be an athlete. This, uh, those aren't the things that describe us as much anymore. Now, will you stick with me through the break? Because 100%. I have two things I absolutely need to ask you about. Plus, I want us to help some of my sad little fans who need some help. We'll read some letters. Is that okay, Michael? Great, great. I love it. Yay. Come back from Let Lisa Help. Listen to us. We're fantastic.
1: (laughs) You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Emerging
0: technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTEC, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC.
4: Need a little boost to your self esteem? Then check out Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan on Podcast One. I'm so grateful to have you here with me. Join the upbeat entrepreneur as she helps you figure out the keys to success from crushing it like Gary V to finding self
2: fulfillment with comedian turned life coach Lisa Lampanelli. And I get out of the car and go, if they see me walking into the tanning place with no makeup on, a house coat and slippers, they're going to be like, she really has fallen. And worse, she has a freaking Nissan Sentra.
4: Download new episodes of Creating Creating confidence with Heather Monhan every week on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
1: And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampinelli.
2: Hey, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the former comedian, for- former queen of mean, now the queen of meaning because I am a life coach extraordinaire, or according to some people, and uh, <laughs> I would love for you to check out my website at lisalampanelli.com where I list all my workshops, including a food and body image workshop that is happening at the world-famous Kripalu Meditation and Yoga Place in the Berkshires. I'm sure they love being called <laughs> Kripalu <laughs> Yoga and Meditation Place. I'm sure there's a classy way to say it, but the workshop is in November. You'll love it. You can work on your food, your body image, and liking yourself. Because if I can't make you like yourself, no one can. Do you do the yoga meditation? Hell no. Okay. (laughs) I once got tricked into going to a yoga retreat because I thought they said frozen yoga retreat. And (laughs) I said no. And, you know, I used to have a joke where I would say, I only learned one thing in a seven-day yoga retreat, which is that yoga was invented by a gay guy who wanted to learn to suck his own thing for himself. (laughs) But I don't think that's true. I think yoga is a very valuable tool. I have a co-present in my workshop who does that part of it. I do the storytelling and gotcha. the actual written exercises. And I love coaching people. Michael, that's my problem. That's why the show is called Let Lisa Help because I just want people to let me help them. You're I don't just, have any meaning in life if they don't. What am I going to do? And you need the meaning <laughs> in your life. Yeah, purpose is really good. Now, two issues I thought of when we were talking. Okay. One is, now this is something I always like to admit, I'm going to do this every episode. I've just decided after talking to you, I'm going to admit something I'm kind of ashamed of. Okay. Now, I don't know if it was the era I grew up in, but I have been plagued by for the last few years that I do not have – you're going to laugh, but please don't – I don't have a black friend. Stop it. I don't know what that's about. I am not racist. I was an insult comic, so that could be misconstrued. Okay. But I – didn't even meet a Jewish person until I went to college. You know, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. It was all white, obviously, in Connecticut. And it wasn't waspy. It was like low-class white. And <laughs> so, like, we're Italian. We're the black yeah. people of uh, Connecticut. There you go. And I don't now have, like, an official black friend. You don't have one black well, friend. Well, this makes me mad, and I'll tell you why. It actually makes me sad to even admit. I said to my best friend, Vicky. Victoria Diaz, who, as you could tell, Puerto Rican name, yep. she is Puerto Rican. She told me, well, Lisa, we, I actually met her in uh, Weight Watchers when we were 25. Okay. We didn't lose weight, but we gained a best friend for 32 <laughs> years. Go. And I was like, she goes, well, I've been your best friend for like 32 years. So that, I'm Puerto Rican. That counts as a black friend, right? It's as
3: close <laughs> as you're going to get to a black friend. But
2: what do you think is going on there? Because I maybe i'll admit it on the air this is weird but am i just not open enough I, do you I, think there's something wrong with me well i mean you could say whatever you want you, i can take it i what do you think happened well I, you
3: just maybe it's you it's you it's obviously clearly is. It, it is are you do you
2: open up to black people do you i don't open up to most people so maybe how... that's the problem is i open up to my friend of 32 years obviously so do you have a lot of friends though I would say mostly acquaintances, maybe okay. five awesome friends who I could call whenever, and most of them are gay men and white women. And why
3: is that, you think?
2: I don't know. I think maybe because it's habit. Part of it is a habit. Part of it is like, okay, gay guys have the stereotype that they'll get me, and I'm loud and big, and they'll love it, and they do love booze. Do you
3: believe you don't like honesty? No, Is I that do, why you I, don't?
2: No, because they're super... I, uh, But I, they're also I very think,
3: supportive and uplifting
2: true. all the time. I need more people who challenge me. Yes. I need people who say to me, look, man, that's not cool. Look, I don't like that. Like, I want a trans friend. Yeah. I want a black friend. How about I do another podcast called Lisa Needs a Black Friend? Why don't
3: we put it on Craigslist and you, <laughs> we can audition people to be your black best friend? But do you, you think know it what? could it be could. age I, I think so. I think so because when you're... I don't know. I think when you reach a certain age, because I'm forty-four and right. I stop meeting friends. I think yeah. when you get over like thirty, you don't That's really, true. You don't really meet People anymore? You meet acquaintances, but you don't have time to get to know some, and you don't really want to. You, I think, our minds are just like I don't need another person in my life. Well, like
2: on that Seinfeld episode where he's like, got enough friends, all full up, not taking applications. But here's the thing: I'm not going to let myself off the hook because I think when I see, say, I'm at a Kripalu or something like a yoga place, yeah, and I see two black women talking, I literally go to, they're not going to like me. And I have, you know what I always think? I am always shocked when anyone of a different ethnicity likes me because of my comedy. And I feel like I am a little ashamed. Okay,
3: okay, but let me reverse that. Let me reverse that though. Do you think it's your ego making you believe they know your comedy?
2: They may not know your comedy. Well, no, I don't think it's ego, I think it's fear of going, Oh my god, if they know who I am they're going to hate me. Like for instance like a um there was someone who wanted me to do a podcast or a um be a guest on their show and I was in shock because I go, "But don't they think I'm a racist because that's how I used to do comedy?" And they're like, no, 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 I get it. And I was like, Oh my God. Thank you. So I think it's that I presuppose maybe in general that people won't like me. Yeah. I think
3: you do it to yourself. You put yourself yeah. in a box and, but, but here's what's different when you were the queen of mean is the world wasn't as sensitive as mm. it is now. So it's kind of like you got a stamp of. Okay, she can say this where you couldn't do that act today. Right. I mean, you could, but it had to be lot- only
2: for my fans. Exactly. Right.
3: And even that, somebody would sneak a camera in and it would mm-hmm. go viral, and somebody would be like, oh, she's the worst person on earth. Right. So you kind of beat the whole now thing that's going yeah, on with yeah. with people just trying to tape comics just to put them on blast and just to ruin their career right. with one joke you beat that whole process and you're in a better place mm-hmm. right now but i understand like you know you you said uh you said some you were the queen of mean you said some mean things and you think you're putting yourself in a box where i don't I
2: think- am putting myself there because guess what i knew that was a character like rickles cuz i liked everybody And it's funny because when I said, I go today, you're not going to like me, I teared up. And I always say to my clients, when you tear up, you know, you hit something. So it's like that worthiness of like, they're going to hate me. They won't like me. They won't give me a chance. And then I go, well, you know, at some point. You're not giving yourself a chance. I know. So this is a good lesson for me because why not be open? Why not go, hey, they might not like me anyway, but at least I tried to be open now, I don't force yourself th- I on every black say, person. <laughs> that, <laughs> no, it's not, not just that. It's just like You're just up on black people like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I want to be friends. They're like, God, this, this white woman's crazy. <laughs> it's so true. You <laughs> <know>? <laughs> because I always don't like the fact that this has haunted me. I For a year, it's a real, I don't know why it hit me. Maybe because I retired. And I go, boy, Am I like now uh, reaping the seeds that I sowed? That mm-hmm. I now I'm isolated. Do you ever from feel certain, that uh, from certain groups? I do, but I'm like, guess who can change it? Me. I can go out there and be more open. Like when I coach people, I challenge them if they have trouble saying no. I go, okay, you're going to say no to three people this week. Just let me know who it is when we talk next week. I have to like just be more open to everyone in the next few years. I don't mean like in a crazy, creepy way, but just say hello, smile. Go, they might get me and I might get them. But I
3: also believe, like, it depends where you live. Like, if there's (laughs) still a lot of places where there aren't a lot of black people around.
2: Well, I mean, I live in Connecticut, but... I will say, is there a lot of black people in Connecticut? I'm not where I live, See? but not on purpose. Like no, I didn't I, move I, there <laughs> on purpose. Oh my god, you are making me out to be a Harlem. That's what right? it is. You <laughs> moved away from
3: black people, but you know what's funny? I but was then also, you don't need to move to Harlem just so you can be. No, around I'm not to- gonna.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna like move to some place that I'm like don't love because I. The reason only that I live in Connecticut is because my family's there, so it has nothing to do with like socioeconomics. Like yeah. I like a little house. I like just being totally normal. But I think. The challenge is us all just being more open. Yeah, and being but I also- like I like to just learn about you. You may learn about me. And if you like me, great. If not, that's okay, too.
3: I will say this. My wife's mother and like my wife's family is the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. Like literally the Brady Bunch. Uh, Her mom's probably like 57, 58, maybe 60. But this woman knows everybody. Mm -hmm. Like she is a social butterfly, but I think it's in us, too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just that's just her. She can talk to anybody where maybe I think even I feel this when we talk to people, if they know who we are. They expect a certain level of comedy. like like Almost mm. like you've got to be kind of
2: on. I know. That's it, what I found. That's why I would sort of go into a cocoon after a show. Yeah. I wouldn't even go out for fun. People yeah. would say, hey, come out with us. and I'd be like, I'm not fun. I have to go watch 12 episodes of King of Queens on Nick at Night. Isn't you it? Know?
3: D- and people don't realize being on the road as a comedy is the loneliest place on earth. And people think it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. oh my god it is so sad yeah when you go to a hotel and then because you have to decompress yeah and then you realize okay i'm away from the people i love and, right. and then you just took i believe in energy you just took 500 to a thousand people's energy of make me laugh and then you gave out all your energy to make them laugh so it's a mm-hmm. transfer of energy so you know it's weird how i used to, before i headline i used to hear my uh, comedy friends go, man. I am exhausted. We did. Yeah. I did like five shows, five hours. I'm exhausted. And I go, well, how you're just talking? And now,
2: <laughs> now you see.
3: Now it. I see because I really believe it's energy. You, half of the people there don't want to be there. They were dragged, mm-hmm. and you're taking that negative energy. And once they start laughing, that negative energy has to go somewhere. You're right. transferring. I, I don't know. That's me. No, I think no. I think you're right. Energy. It's all
2: about energy. And you know what I love is that I'm gonna since you have enlightened me that I'm a racist. Yes. I am. I'm going to enlighten you on one thing. Start bringing your own opener. It is the way to combat loneliness. 100%. Because I loved it. I've had openers, I think, once you start doing theaters, you're allowed to do that, or bigger clubs. I say go for that. It's Steve Martin said in his book, maybe, I don't think he said maybe he wouldn't have quit comedy if he'd known he could bring a friend. Yes. But he goes, you know, I didn't know that I, I had that option. So it's so great because then at least it's somebody you can go... Oh, well,
3: I'm, I'm lucky gonna, in that now I can. Thank so I've been bringing, and it's changed the game. But yeah. like when I used to do
2: colleges and oh, say, so, "Oh, kill my yourself." God. First of all, with colleges you can never oh. find the freaking building. Oh. You ever notice that campuses are huge? You can't find the building. You want to kill yourself, and then you hate every student in yeah, there.
3: I, I do. The the last when I I quit on the spot when I was at this NACA thing. A college kid came up to me and goes, it was me and Eliza. And, uh, they booked Eliza and they go, Hey, you know, like stuck up little 17, 18 year old kid goes, yeah, we just booked Eliza. If we have enough money, uh, we're, we're looking at our funds to see if we can book YouTube. So we'll let you know.
2: Oh, God. And I was like,
3: I am getting judged by a 17, 18 year old person. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is the worst my life could ever. At this moment right now, where I'm hoping an 18-year-old person will book Mm -hmm. me. At yeah. a club, yeah. Are you? I mean, at your school, are you? Sick? I'm waiting. Like my life has come down to a college student. That's right. Letting me know if they want if you're me acceptable. or not. If I'm acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. F this. I'm out. <laughs> and I told the lady. I literally left. I just left. I said, "This is not for me." Yep. This and is and not you know for
2: what? Me. Removing ourselves from the situation is a powerful oh. move, dude. Like I said, it's like trying to convince that pothead that why aren't you getting coaching by me? Like why yeah. aren't? And why? What? I could change your life. And now it's just like, you know what, that's cool. You you have your journey, I have mine. I hate the word journey. But it's true. They have their journey. We have ours. And yours was like, wow, it's a point of pride that I can remove myself from this and not take it personally. Yeah. Because that was just stupidity on their part. Oh, they man. They don't know anything. Think of us, think of us as 17, at 17, what do shit back And we that's were.
3: what I thought about. I thought about me at 17, 18, having all that power. Yeah. I would have been a dick too.
2: Yeah. You and, know? And we probably were. Yeah. And what's funny is I just read Chelsea Handler's new book, which is life freaking changing because it's so deep about therapy. And I'm like, Empathy. Oh my God! You have to actually put yourself in their shoes. It, it's one thing to feel compassion and go, yeah. "Oh, that poor earthquake victim." Yeah. But to go, "Okay, I'm 17. I don't have the money. I'm worried. I'm probably have an eating disorder. I'm probably, you know, ha- I'm between boyfriends or whatever." Yeah. And go, "That's her, and that's okay." But that's hard, you know, when because we're it's dealing hard. with it, our it shit is, too.
3: It, it, it is. I I I have a very tough time with empathy. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm a, I'm It's not, a rough one. Like. You know, my thing is, empathy's tough for me because it's just hard being in somebody else's shoes. Oh, it's, now, I'm not, it's, a, I'm it's not, virtually I'm impossible. not an ass about it. Yeah. But I, I read the story, but then I look at things like, like, my my empathy goes out to soldiers. My empathy goes out to families affected mm-hmm. by war, like you know, people that get affected by drunk driving, and you know, the the victims. Like I don't know, I it's it's hard for me to feel empathy.
2: Well, what I think uh, it is, you've used your empathy up on those big things, yeah, and now you're like, do I have time <clears throat> to feel empathic for the chick at Starbucks who was mean to me? Yeah, it's like you see now I think it's just age too, where I just go, oh, suppose she's going through something, but dude, it's like freaking practice. It's a muscle. It's yeah. hard. And trust me, I fail at it as many times as I freaking succeed at it. Yeah. Now, it's just a practice. But you know what? It helps me. I don't care about helping them. It helps me go, well, I'm not as angry all day. Oh, yeah. Because that's the
3: part. Well, see, yeah. I'm different than you where I just don't get involved in the story. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. story like I, I'll, I'll see something, I'll be like, all right. And I don't think about it again, where I know – the biggest thing I had when I was younger is caring a lot about how other people felt about me mm. and why I wasn't getting opportunities. Right. And then one day my boss walks in and goes, if you cared about your career as much as you cared about everybody else's, you might uh-huh. accomplish something. And I've always stuck to that. So now it's, it's weird. I'm in a place where I don't care. It's going to sound bad, but. I, tr- to keep myself focused, I don't worry about other people's struggles. Like on Instagram, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just post and not look at a, everybody else's story because it's to the, to me, it's not about their journey. It's about mine. And I know you don't. Like
2: I, the- no, I love that because you. I would say to before, your Instagram is so uplifting and fun <laughs> it's not one of these, oh, let me put a saying out there. Don't worry. No. It's not about a slogan or any of these platitudes. It's just your kid is freaking adorable oh, and hilarious you. and cute. You obviously have great love and pride with him and your wife. I love it. And also, you post funny things about your folks yeah. that are sweet. But yet like a little hard edge where we're like, oh my God, this guy's funny. Yeah. So I love that you don't get involved with these other people on social media. It doesn't help. It causes depression.
3: Right. Like when you, all day you're scrolling through other people's posts of their best life Mm -hmm. and you're sitting there maybe alone going, why don't I have that? It just brings up all, I've already fought those demons of caring what other people accomplished Mm -hmm. and I've already gotten out of that. So, but I notice when I start scrolling- I'm like, oh, why that comic? Got that. Oh, yeah. Why did that? Per- so, to eliminate that, I just post. Yes. That's and so I'll go smart. to my friends that I know mm-hmm. that yep. I won't get in and I'll like their photos and stuff. But I'm not a scroller where I just keep looking at other people's lives because I'm trying to live my own life.
2: See, that's what's good. And, and somebody told me I used to hate social media and say I'm never doing it. And a friend of mine, oh my God, he's so smart. He goes, Why don't you? Because he's a millennial, but a good millennial. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say <laughs> that, millennial. but he's a like. Good one. Well, he's like, oh, he's one of the good ones. It's rare. yeah, no. <laughs> But he really just gets it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know what? how about you look at the words like as you're helping someone? So if I go through and I like all these people who I actually kind of dig, then it's like going, oh, I'm doing service today. And you feel like you helped somebody. But if you're looking at it like, I better like it so they like me, it's going to be quid pro quo. It's not Uh, even nice.
3: Never, never put like, uh, this is what I learned. If you're posting something to get the other person. Oh,
2: forget it. No,
3: you're, you're you're in the wrong mind state to even
2: start. And by the way, do you ever notice when you're... You're not looking for it as usual. It pops up once Amy Schumer retweeted or re whatever posted something of mine. And once Kathy Griffin likes something, and I'm friendly with them. Yeah. But we're, I wouldn't say we hang out, but I'm like, oh my God, how cute. If I'd been trying to get their freaking attention, it wouldn't have mattered. And just you would have kept checking and oh, checking. Gross. It,
3: it would have it it assumed your life where you just, why haven't they liked it? Right, why haven't they right. retweeted? It? Or, this is messed up. You know, right. you gotta just, my thing, put out the love. And then and if it, it comes back, it comes back. If not, you put it out there. There anyway. you go.
2: So And there's a no-lose situation. So speaking of which, people can find you on all the social channels at Michael Yo. At Michael Yo. Yes. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-Y-O. That's right. For those who can't spell Y-O. And yes. trust me, people
3: spell Yo wrong all the time. Oh, my God. Y-O-E-H-Y-O-E. I'm like, oh it's God. Yo. Y-O. People,
2: those are all white people. It don't. is. It white is. people are the problem. And
3: the white people love to go, Yo, 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 oh, Yo. Oh. Oh, gosh. Don't do that.
2: Stop. Stop. You're racist. Yeah. As racist as I am, now that we've learned that I need to make more do friends. You do have a half black friend. That so is true. There oh. you go. Yeah, I'm your half black friend. Now, since we are so <laughs> damaged ourselves, yes. why don't we help some people? Let's you think do that it. sounds cute? Let's do I have it. a couple letters that people wrote to me. I get constantly barraged with sad, sad emails, but oh. let's pick a couple not as horribly sad. Okay. Okay. So that you and I aren't depressed when we leave here. <laughs> okay. There's someone here. Now, I don't even think this is real, but it might be because the person says they're from Louisville, England. Oh, Now, to me, that is not a place. I don't think that's a thing. So, either this person is from Louisville, Kentucky uh, yeah. or somewhere else, but they're ashamed. So, if I uh, – let's just assume this is a real person. She says, I found a lump under my armpit the size of a pea. What should I do? Now, Michael, yo. Go to doctor. I'm not – thank you. Well, I mean, why are they asking why? you? Why? Look at Lisa Labinelli. Do I look like I have lumpy breasts? Now, they're terrific. Sometimes I want to strap them down when I'm in my more, oh, I don't know, trans state of mind. But I will tell you that if you find a lump, you go to a doctor. You don't ask a former comedian who is now a life coach. Michael, yo, do you agree with this? I
3: agree. You go to the doctor, man. Any lumps on you. I don't care where the lump is.
2: You've got to go to the doctor. Have you ever found a lump anywhere on yourself other than the right places?
3: <laughs> no. And if I did, I would go straight to a doctor. Thank you. How
2: about these women, by the way, and men or whoever who won't get a mammogram or won't get a checkup because they're
3: afraid. Well, let me tell you. I just had my first, uh, what is it when they step? Prostate exam. Oh, fun. And yeah. And Ooh. I didn't know it was supposed to happen. Oh, so that was, yeah. delightful. So my doctor, my doctor, I'm going for physical every year. And he goes, oh, you're about that time. Oh, I'm right. going, about that time for what? He goes, <laughs> prostate. And I go, oh, no, no, no. We can skip that. Yeah, I yeah. literally said we can skip it. And he goes, you know what? And then he got, like, very serious. He goes, there are many types of cancers that we can identify early. Prostate <laughs> is one. Breast is one. And there's no reason you should ever not detect those early. Yeah. And he goes, you got a two-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And I like, oh. Uh, Tim, once he brought in my son, I was like, all right,
2: stick it in there. Well, you know what's funny? They say for any big change you want to make, you need a big Y, W-H-Y, because, like, a lot of people come to me and they're like, "Oh, I want to lose weight," and and you go, "Why do you want to lose weight? I want to be healthy. I want to." And it's very vague. He knew to go right for the jugular. Oh, knew. With you knew he knew to say that kid needs you, and it's true. It's
3: true. And literally, as soon as he said that, I opened up. Bend I was like, <laughs> "Bend over,
2: bitch!" I was like, "We got to do this because I need to be around forever for my son." So, friend in Louisville, England, go if you exist, out. get check your boobs. That's all I can say. All right, this one's actually a real person. I can I tell? They're from a real place. They're oh. From Ontario, that sounds familiar. Oh, that okay. sounds like a place. Yeah, Canada. I've heard of that place.
3: Oh, Canada, or, or is it Canada or Ontario, California?
2: Oh no! Oh, jeez! I know. See, it's I hate fun. my, I hate difference. my fans. They're no fun. Let's see. All right. Dear Lisa, oh, that's me. I'm over fifty years old. I get it, and I (laughs) I still look for my older sister's approval, even when she is wrong. It sometimes makes me not do what I know I should do, and she will because she will not approve. How can I change this behavior, Michael? Yo, guess what? What? As you know, Mm -hmm. looking for people's approval never works. Never. I say to people when I'm coaching them, I say, go back. Who were you always trying to win over? It's usually mom, dad, a sibling, et cetera. And you know what? They're never going to like us if they're not going to like us. And then we fail as being somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you said with your comedy, you stick to who you are. This way, if somebody says, Michael, you should be different, you could say, no, 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 it's really me. No, made. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. So to this Yenta... <laughs> in ontario first of all i thought canadians were supposed to be nicer than everybody i know
3: that the, the it must be an american grandma or something like that isn't
2: it sad to you that like you're over 50 i mean this in my case too and we still look for outward approval because what they used to call it i went to a food rehab it's like a drug rehab but for food and they talked about you have self-esteem and other esteem And other esteem is the cars and if you're MC Hammer, the whole racehorses, (laughs) you know, the houses, the jobs, the et cetera, instead of looking at it from in here. So part of her esteem comes from her sister saying, you're good enough. And I bet, and I'm probably wrong, I could be – I'm probably right. I'm going to give myself some credit. I bet if she went up to that sister and said, you know what, I look for your approval too much and it really makes me sad – I bet that sister will be empathetic. And if she's not, then you know how to go for there. A lot
3: there. of, a lot of things just can be handled with a conversation. Oh. People are scared to have that conversation. Though. It's, yeah. People are scared to go up to whatever demon in their mm-hmm. life and be like, Hey, this is what I feel. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we work this out? I mean, there's, there's times people don't like each other for years and all of a sudden they meet up one place on accident, have a conversation and it's a simple, Hey, you know what? I was dumb mm. that I did that. Oh, yeah, me too. And now they're great. Isn't that and it's wild? just it's just having the conversation. Don't be scared. Don't write Lisa a letter. You should be writing this to that sister yeah. or you should be talking to that sister.
2: Right. And it's it's I always say to people like, OK, so what's the worst that can happen if you talk to your sister And they go, no, I I just can't. I just can't. It's like, no, no, no. What is the intervening thought that stops you from writing that letter? And it's always like, she'll yell at me. She'll she'll think I'm an idiot. She'll do this. And I'm like, is that absolutely true? Like, do you know that for a fact? No. Then freaking act like she won't say it. Yeah. Do it and then you can handle it. You know what I love? This whole thing about if something really bad happens to you. For me, the worst thing that ever happened to me so far was my dad dying. I go, ooh, I handled that now I can handle whatever else comes because it can't ever be it that can't bad.
3: Be, yeah, it can't ever get that worse. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, like not comparing to your dad passing, but it's, you know, I'm a big stand-up comedy nerd and to hear Dave Chappelle talk, about the first time he bombed on stage at the Apollo
2: oh god
3: yeah so he goes they booed him off a stage and he sat up there going oh this is as bad as it's gonna get right I'm gonna be great
2: oh my god you know what I learned from that is that I must be a better comic than him because I killed at the Apollo (laughs) (laughs) and I'm white that's right and by the way Apollo audience, listen to me. If you were there and you want to be my friends, I'm assuming at least a few of you are back. Exactly. (laughs) Please send me an email. Go to com and just say – Hey Lisa, I'll be your black friend.
3: Lisa's looking for a black friend. People. I'm looking for an
2: Asian friend too. I'll okay. admit it. There I
3: go. You don't, you don't have me? an Asian friend either. Well, oh it sounds like such a stereotype.
2: So I know it sounds like such a stereotype. It but is. my dry cleaner and I, Oh, we my God, really bond. No, he's great. Is but he Asian? Know, of course he is. Oh. But you know what I love about this guy? He knows my name. Okay. I love it. I never have to tell him the phone number. He goes, Lisa. I will find out his name when I go back to Connecticut. Is it Lisa or Risa? Oh, how dare you, you racist. <laughs> but you're allowed to because it's your... <laughs> Michael Yo, I freaking love you. I can't even thank Risa you. Oh, you're... Risa Risa Rappareri. Shut up, Michael. I Don't love Risa Rappareri. <laughs> Listen, people, <laughs> if you know what's good for you, go to Amazon and you watch Michael Yo's special, Blasian. It is fantastic. Thank you. I love this guy. I love now, you. He has also a show on Serious Hits 1. He's terrific. He has... Has black friends. He has Asian <laughs> friends. He's got a white wife. He's got a cute kid. And I usually don't like toddlers, so See? I say that kid's adorable. Thank you, Michael Yo, on socials. Let me tell you something. Thank you so Thank much you. for being a guest host of mine. You are an amazing guy. I knew instantly you were a warm person, and I'm you, so glad we're you, friends. We're friends. Yay. Yay! You
3: gotta have black and Asian friends.
2: Come back and listen to the rest of Let Lisa. Help
1: It's time to Coach the Coach.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to your new favorite podcast, Let Lisa Help. I'm Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean, now the queen of meaning. Check out my website at lisalampanelli.com. If you can't spell it, come on, really? I'm famous. LisaLampanelli.com. You can go there and check out when all my workshops are happening, especially my big food and body image workshop at Kripalu Meditation. What is the real name? Kripalu. If I had an assistant. Oh, wait. I do. (laughs) No, Kripalu Yoga and Meditation Center up in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. It's beautiful. It's in November. And also, my storytelling shows are all on my website as well. Now, I'm doing doing a segment that my shrink actually told me was pretty risky, but would also be pretty insightful for me, called Coach the Coach. This is when my clients, who I actually coach, call in and they tell me how I'm doing. Now, she said, Lisa, I think this is like a really good growth opportunity for you. And I was like, F you. Actually, I did not say that because she would view that as hostile and probably charge me more than the two seventy five dollars an hour I already pay. Anyway, I have my clients call in and tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and um, I'm going to take the hard truth. LL can take it. Our first client calling in this episode is Jody from Long Island. Jody, is you the... Long Island? You say it just like I do. That's right, I do, because every time I coach someone, I actually take on their personality. So I'm going <laughs> to turn into a big yenta like you are. <laughs> Now, Jodi came to me by way of a friend of hers who I was giving practice uh, advice to. And Jodi was great because she pursued me and she goes, oh my God, is there any way you could coach me too for the same price? I'm like, F you, my prices went up. And what I love about Jodi is she cared enough about herself to actually do it. And paid the real price, which is pretty cheap, anyway. I mean, let's be honest, Jody, you it do is, know how to.
4: You know what? Please don't get ideas from your shrink that she's paying you two seventy-five an hour because.
2: That's not happening? Yeah, I, well, you know, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I am worth it, though. Now, Jody, you can you briefly tell, you don't as little or as much detail as you yes. want, what you called me about initially?
4: So, yeah, so I called because I, not that I thought you can all of a sudden do magic on me and, and my head would say, okay, when you lose weight, you're going to keep it off this time, but I did come to you originally because... I need to work on understanding why I can lose weight really well. Every two, three years, I lose 70 pounds, but then after a year, I gain it back. And I thought you would, could say to me, like, a light bulb's going to go off and say to me, hey, this is the reason. But in the three or four sessions that we have, I learned there is no magic to it. It's all about finding what's within and um, figuring out. So I thought we were always going to talk about weight every week, and we don't.
2: Yeah, that's what's interesting. I have a lot of people who come to me initially and think weight's the problem, and it's like, oh no, what's underneath that? And Mm -hmm. what's great is you were really willing to go there. I mean, you were like, but I want diet advice, but I want you to just be an accountability coach who calls me and yells at me if I don't send you my food diary. Like, I don't think that's how people change. I think because, dude, I'm still working on my food and weight stuff. Are you kidding? I still weigh myself once a week and figure it out and try to work on emotional eating. So it's always what's underneath that. And so far, Since I'm so terrific at my job, have you discovered anything that might be uh, other issues that relate to the weight but aren't necessarily the weight?
4: Yeah. So the first week it was, realizing that, you know what, I take care of everybody, nobody necessarily takes care of me, that could be my issue because I don't let them. Something that was telling, and I think I told you, like my son, who's who's 25, said to me, you don't let us do anything. Every time I start making eggs, you take the spatula away. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, you know, maybe they should do for me, and so I started asking them to do a
2: little more around the house or do a little more for me. I loved, I loved when you said the story about Mother's Day because Jody was like, so this year I told them, I said, look. Every year, I plan my own Mother's Day. This year, you plan it. And I go, Jody. your job is to then not pick on what they did. So And I didn't. Did, what did they actually do?
4: So they did make reservations to a very nice jazz brunch. Oh, my, my son did. Not so much my husband, because when I said to my husband two days before Mother's Day, I said, what are we doing for Mother's Day? He said, I don't know. I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, You don't listen to directions.
2: Well, so. listen, in fairness, <laughs> you are not his mother, even though you tried to act like it. Right. It's That's true. See that? So So your son (laughs) picked up the ball. And do you think your son is capable of making a scrambled egg? Do you think he can do that? Yeah, he lived alone in college and he had his own apartment. And so what was really, I think the real basic thing beneath it was that you anyone who's grown up in chaos or has had a divorce or a death in the family early on, Mm -hmm. we try to control everything because we think it'll save us from the pain of being out of control when actually then we just try to control everything. It kind of goes crazy anyway, so we haven't protected ourselves at all. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, no, it makes sense. And then even speaking to you, the most recent conversation was, you know what? I lost my mother when I was 20. mm mm-hmm. And I went from a mother to a stepmother within, meeting her within four months of my mom's death. And I welcomed her in and it was great. And then maybe that's what I needed. But I, maybe I was doing what my mother would have done. Or maybe Mm -hmm. I took the place of her. I don't know yet. I mean, we'll have to search that further. But. Um, so I did take your advice and I ordered that book we spoke about.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Jody, uh, we had talked yep. about doing uh, this book, this amazing book called The Grief Recovery Handbook, which is basically, I think, the best book on grief of any kind, meaning if you had a death or a divorce or even what I call death of a dream where, you know, some dream you had as a child didn't come true. You know, you can really work through that grief and not push it down with food or relationships or making your son scrambled eggs.
4: Right, right. And so I did. I took your advice and um, I should get it tomorrow. And and I sat back yesterday and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I don't talk about my mom or I don't real, I didn't realize that I jumped from a mom to a stepmom. And you know, although I talk about her, it was, I was replacing her instead of her Mm. being fond memories or, you know, her memory was a blessing to me. It was like I went from one to the other. Sure. so that was enlightening and i just know it's it's a work in progress now it's not like okay lisa let me get on the scale, and I'm going to lose 10 pounds this week. But it's like, what am I doing? But you did tell me also, it was like, my weight's a big, a big thing, because now I'm back to gaining the 70 pounds, and I need to understand what, you know, with all this, why I do what I do, because mm. I love being thin. And unfortunately, it doesn't last more than a year, and then something triggers and I eat. But, but I, we did talk about me being black and white, so I'm very black and white.
2: Yeah, what and Jody's I'm talking fine. about really is her thinking yep. is all or nothing, black and white, which I was for years also. So it's like, if I'm not... Not perfect on this diet, then I might as well binge. And or, hey, I'm perfect for a year, lose 70 pounds. And then of course, I'm black and white. So I have to just put it all back on immediately instead of going, you know what, I'm kind of ate pretty well today. I'll do better tomorrow. Or, oh, I ate pretty well today. Awesome. And I'll do tomorrow exactly the same way. So the gray area in between is really where we all need to end up. Do you kind of, uh, do you find yourself going more towards the gray now?
4: Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm wor- I'm working on it and I'm consciously thinking that, you know what, I, this has to be my lifestyle and I have been more gray instead of black and white. And yes, I tried and I jotted everything down through the app you gave me, Lose It. Mm-hmm. And you you said, you know, don't worry about what you eat per se. I mean, obviously more protein and vegetables. I know how to diet. We're, we're, we're all experienced diets. Yeah, I've been on them all. But I'm conscious to a point that, you know what, if I want that avocado, even though on WW, it might be five points. You know what? I'm going to have it. And as long as I stay in within that range and
2: I lost two pounds this week. See? And you know what? It's like because you're doing the internal and external work and you're not losing five pounds in a week like you would on some plan that was crazy and then gain it right back. So this is hopefully a Mm long-term healing of this big issue that will ex- you know people will see it externally and you'll feel it internally also you know i love also what's funny is you say ww is that what weight watchers is calling well, themselves okay, I now didn't
4: if I, should, I didn't know if i didn't know if i no 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 a podcast, but it is what they're calling it now it's called In fact, I passed it yesterday and it just said they took off the Weight Watchers and it says WW.
2: Well, you want to know why? Because Weight Watchers actually stands for Weight Watcher Gain It All Back. Because that's (laughs) literally, I do not, I lost 85 pounds on Weight Watchers three times. So, you know, God bless them, but they are a business. And a lot of the things I have to say to clients who work on Food and Body Images, you are not the failure, the diet industry was created so they can keep making money. Weight Watchers would be making nothing if it was a plan that actually worked. And there's nothing wrong with what they do. It's just we have to acknowledge it's impossible to stick to. Oprah is their spokesperson and she can't get it right. And God bless her. We all are trying, trying, trying to be perfect like they want us to be but we can't, and also, what cracks me up, Jody, are you a part of when the Weight Watchers did this thing where they said grilled chicken breast is zero points? And I'm like,
4: oh, it's, well, it's still zero points. Yeah, and I like, don't remember the time uh, had to eat liver.
2: Yeah, it's like twenty. Can you? Can, so I could eat twenty chicken breasts and never gain weight. God, I'm really lucky. This is a very <laughs> sound plan. But no, it's it's good that you are actually you. You're like the perfect kind of client, which is somebody who goes, you know, okay, I'll try that. Oh, okay. Like, you're ready to be coached. You didn't have, you know, any reservations about jumping in and ordering a book or trying an app or doing something a little different. So, I really applaud you for that. And
4: No, I appreciate it because I needed to make a life change. I need to figure it all out. And you're a life coach, but also you're my therapist, if it's okay to say. And I never had been to one. Like, I, I think it's good for everybody. I think everybody needs to take a step back now that I'm working with you and, like, figure out w- how my life has been and my journey and what's going on, and and I want the best it could be. Uh-huh. So Good. I appreciate it. I have I have nothing bad to
2: say. Get about out. You're wonderful. No, I've got to you have... You don't raise your prices. See? See? <laughs> I could go to your Jewish heritage and say that, but I'm not going to. No, you know what? What's great is that you... Uh, I've been a little tough on you. You know, in a good way, I think, but some people don't like a tough love approach, you know? They don't like to be told, No, you're wrong. No, this is what you do. Cause you know, I, I can't help it. I one of my faults, Jody, I'll admit it, even if you won't say it's a fault, maybe you don't know it is, but I'll tell you, I can be a little advice givy. Like, instead of being letting you come to the conclusions, I'll be like, Oh, you know, that happened because your mom died early and that's why you haven't grieved yet. So maybe you should start on that. My feeling is tell me if I'm wrong, Jody, because I'm going to, I could take my lumps. All right. Would you rather spend three sessions with you discovering it was because your mom died early that you overeat or you started on this path of taking care of people and trying to, you know, control others? Or would you rather spend a half of one session, because I know what the F I'm talking about, and then you save money too? Wouldn't you, would you, would you rather the tough love and the answer, or would you rather slowly come to this yourself?
4: No, i I'd rather have the tough love because, I, you know, it's something that happened so many years ago. I don't, I won't tell you my age, but right. it happened so many years ago that she passed. And it's like, when you think about it, and I told you my, my family dynamic and things that are going on, it's like, it was more of like, Jody. could it be... And this is what I think it is. And I take a step back and I'm like, and I was talking to my son after and I said, you know, I don't talk about my mother a lot. I don't. I, I went from coming home from college, she passed away, sitting shiva, going back to college, meeting my now stepbrother because he was in the same college as me, meeting my stepmom within the same three months and starting a new life. Mm. And it's like, I didn't take a step back. Like, what just happened?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. People (laughs) think, and I've done that too. You know, instead of mourning a relationship or a death, I would actually just dive right into something, whether it's food or another relationship or whatever. I remember my Aunt Rose, who was my dad's favorite aunt, who was just a saint – died. And I literally, she was my favorite. I do not remember grieving it at all because I was so trying to push off the pain with a relationship I was in. And I was like, oh my God, at the time you don't know you're doing it. And you wish you'd had a friend who'd know you, you go, you know, you can't replace one with the other. You know, you still have to grieve your aunt or your mom or whoever, but we didn't know we were in our twenties. We were just yeah, kind 20, of yeah. barreling through. And I think back then we did the best we could. And now we just go, ooh, I can kind of correct that a little. I can feel something for my mom and not yeah. sort of stuff it with food or other things.
4: But also, how would you know if I didn't give you the dynamic and tell you what went on in my life? How how would I have come to that myself if we didn't discuss my family? I mean, you need to know my background. You need to know what's going on and where it started and how it started. So, no, I, I think that's. I think it's great. If I felt you were wrong, I would have said...
2: Lisa, you're effing wrong. Yeah, and I would have probably <laughs> said, no, I'm not bitching hung up, which is really great tool in coaching, by the way. No, but Jody, thank you. And honestly, I want to just put it out there. You are a great person. You're working hard on yourself. If there's ever anything you need to push back, push back with me. Because you know what? Sometimes people have pushback. And I and, and they've said, no, you're wrong. And I said, oh, okay, let's think of a different way but, to look at this. So absolutely. I, I kind of love when we're open. You know, I know the friend who sent you to me... Uh, we've had, like, really loud conversations. I'm just going to put it that way. And oh, she's yeah. going to be on I, I, the air.
4: I, I, I can imagine her and you, yeah. yeah. I, would love she, to be, I would love to be in the room when that happens.
2: Oh, my God. She's calling in the <laughs> one of our episodes in the future. She's scheduled in a few weeks. And what makes me laugh is with her, she always gets on the phone all angry with me. And then she, by the end of, like, a half hour, she's like, okay, you're right, so shut up. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, I met my match, I think. But thank you for being such an open, great person. And thank and, you for being you. Oh, I love Love you, dude. And I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Have G- fun. God bless. Take care. Bye. What did we learn? See, everybody, Lisa is perfect. Well, not really. We found out a lot in this episode. We found out that I need more friends of different ethnic persuasions, and that it really did sort of touch me in the heart that I really need to be more open to people in general. We found out I'm a fantastic life coach for people who could take it. We've also learned that people could use life coaching, you can use tough love, or guess what? You could find someone who works better for you if they have a little softer approach. So I think we've learned in general, Lisa is virtually perfect. Wait, that's not at all what we learned. But we did learn that you should listen to Let Lisa Help on Podcast One every single week, and we will tackle some issues. Oh, and by the way, get your breast exam, lady. Come on. What are you doing?
1: Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampinelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review. curb appeal you know it when you see it and with the home depot today is the day for doing boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices from new garage doors to colorful flowers exterior lights to a new coat of paint inspiration to installation you can do it or let the home depot do it for you visit homedepot.com services for more information on installing your next project the home depot more saving more do it u.s only c-store for details AP News is sponsored by ADT. Real Protection is professionally installed smart home security backed by 24-7 monitoring. Our team will help you customize a system for your home, including video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks, and lights that can be controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can even help keep your loved ones safe on the go with location sharing, driving activity alerts, and an emergency SOS button through the ADT Go app. That's ADT Real
4: Protection.